rather die than fall in line to conform. Who comes? Hey everybody, welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, January 29th, recording at home today as there's a power outage at Mutiny Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, so yeah, we're broadcasting out of uh, San Francisco, which is on Ramatouche Ohlone land. And for more information, please go to native-land.ca. And also for more information, you can check out our webpage at weeklyrev.org. And there is a land acknowledgement tab, and there we have a lot of resources as well. So starting off the show, I'm going to share an interview that I did back in December with Alex Hanna and Malika Ahmed. 
and that'll go a little bit more than an hour. And after that, we've got some more music and other information for you. So thanks again so much for tuning in. And again, for more information, you can also check out weeklyrev.org. And uh, here we go. Thanks so much for joining us here. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Alex Hanna. I'm a senior research scientist on the ethical AI team at Google. Okay, uh, my name is Malik Ahmed. I am a linguist and I was on the show a year ago and I am in the same position, which is to say, anybody's listening, please hire me. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Love it. Well, it's nice to be talking with the, with the two of you. And um, one of the, I guess the, the main thing we'll be talking about today is uh, content moderation. And thankfully, um, there's a video that was uh, shared that the two of you put together that um, I would recommend that folks check out. And I learned a lot from it. So we'll be providing a, a link to that. Um, on our, our website, which folks can find at weeklyrev.org. And it's called 100 Lines in the Sand. So we'll be providing information about that. And I thought we could start off by perhaps talking about the, um, whoever would like to go first, uh, just about talking about what got you involved with content moderation or what made you interested in learning more about it. Okay, so um, what got us started in content moderation is that for a period of about seven months, I worked as a content moderator. And um, Alex, she works in like AI ethics, and this um, the fields have recently had quite a bit of overlap. Um, yes, Alex was recently requested to come on to do a keynote for this workshop on online abuse and harms, and she very kindly was like Maliha. How about you join me? And and I did, and that's how we got into. That's how we made this keynote. But like the yeah, and before that, I mean, we had both been interested in aspects of content moderation. But I would say this keynote kind of like honed us in on the topic in a different way um, that it hadn't in our personal research or work. Because you know, after working in content moderation, I was okay with never touching it again. <laughs> I can understand it's. I would imagine, I mean, I, I don't have firsthand experience, but from talking with folks who have done that work, it just seems so difficult. I feel difficult is not even a, a correct word to really fully grasp all of it, but it just sounds like very grueling um, and emotionally charged work. Yes. <laughs> These are good words for it. <laughs> you captured the essence. Yeah, I think, and I, I think thinking about it too is, you know, I, I become friends with Maliha at that time and um, was kind of fascinating hearing about it from the quote unquote AI ethics space. Um, I use AI ethics in like kind of a tongue in cheek <laughs> manner right now. Um, and as, actually as someone also should always be tongue in cheek about anybody that calls themselves an AI ethicist. Um, but that's, we can touch on that later. Um, and I think also because sort of in a parallel work that I've, I've been doing um, in my current position, the things that I look at are around the um, training data that goes into AI and machine learning mm. and understanding kind of like where they come from. Right now, the people that use them sort of just grab them for wherever and then they 
put them through some kind of like annotation process. Um, and that data annotation work looks a lot like content moderation work um, and sort of how the organizations are structured, like how they outsource it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, and this is something I think you're going to realize more and more talking to Maliha. And so, um, yeah, so I'm doing that work, you know, inspired us to sort of do this talk and, and, and to really kind of focus on some key points and takeaways for what folks should understand about content moderation work and um, kind of the dimensions of policy and, and how it could be different. Yeah, there was certainly quite a lot that I learned in the video, certainly, and in terms of like the, the outsourcing and the, the hierarchy, it seems, which seems to unfortunately be a part of so many different business models as well, where the folks at the top who are making the decisions have no idea what actually goes into doing the work and creating the product. And then when they're held to account for the uh, reactions and the, um, from what the uh, result of what happens, they end up having no, no skin no in the game. Yeah, no real accountability. They're able to just push off the consequences. Um, yeah, so, okay, I think it's important for us to touch on what happened this week that uh, we're kind of, like, coming from. So mm -hmm. Alex's boss, or ex-boss, Tamit Jimbrew, uh, just got fired from Google uh, oh. over some absolute bullshit reasons. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, I mean, what happened... And this is this is sort of the take on <laughs> AI ethics. Um, it, it, but I mean, I'll, just to give you background, I mean, what what Tanit had uh, so Tanit was my was my manager as um, as Millie has had said, and she's best known. She's a refugee from Eritrea, um, mm -hmm. and you know has in in she's known for many different things in the, in this space. One of the things that I think she's most known for is this paper in 2018 that was published with Joy Bulamwini called Gender Shades, which showed that facial recognition works really w much more poorly for um, Black women. And so they um, had shown that it has like these very different rates, error rates. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so and that has provided some kind of entree into, you know, the work around facial recognition bans um, in San Francisco, in Oakland, in Somerville, in Boston, and has gotten a conversation about, you know, nationwide facial recognition bans. Yeah. So uh, her work has like direct implications on our personal lives, and mm -hmm. uh, she, like, the way that she got fired, and like a lot of the ways that. Um, blame got placed on her for things that weren't in her control or weren't her fault. Um, like, I mean, we saw a lot of parallels to, um, to our keynote. Um, one of the things that she got um, sort of in trouble for was that she had sent out this letter to um, a list of like women and allies within Google. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't read the letter, it's a really good letter. And one of the things that she says in it that really um, resounded with me was um, she told people that they should stop doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work, that the only way forward for companies to be held accountable is ex through external um, yeah, external pressures. And that's something we mm. covered you know, uh, with regards to like 
YouTube and Facebook. Like, the only pressure that they actually listen to is external. Um, we strongly advocate, like, creating those external pressures in some ways, like, through, red, like, regulating agencies and stuff. And the other thing that was sort of, like, the thing that they also used as a kind of a cudgel was she published this paper on um, what were called large language models. So these are models, these are AI models that basically ingest a huge amount of text data. And then they generate like they generate text or they change text. So you might have seen some stuff on the internet where like it just is like it sort of generates fake text. Um, but it's like trained on a bunch of data. You don't really know where it came from, like Reddit and like Wikipedia. Like Reddit's a trash fire and like Wikipedia is oh, mostly but, like data yeah. that's just not curated at all, basically. Yeah, it's mostly it, it's mostly written by men. And they also pointed out the environmental cost of these models, training these models. And mm -hmm. so this has been which is stuff that they're they're not they were actually weren't the first people that wrote about this. There's actually been some people that wrote about this before. And so kind of those two things, kind of the initial sort of like the one two. This is sort of what they pinned pinned her firing on. And and then sort of the Jeff Dean, the head of research at Google, has just been sort of gaslighting us the entire time about one two upcoming <sighs> They had a meeting today that they invited uh, all the whole black Googler network, and then they like found a black VP who would like teach, like who would like talk to the black Googler network, and they had these. They use this like very like language of healing. It was really like being gaslit. And it's like uh, they're saying they didn't do anything wrong. So what are we yeah. healing from, guys? <laughs> yeah. So, oh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So they were, and even the language around like, oh, we need to, you know, there's like, a, you know, I don't want to say too much because, you know, they they already sort of basically threatened us, <laughs> um, right, but with with other uh, stuff. So like, yeah. It, yeah, basically, like it's just sort of like continual gaslighting. Um, yeah. And 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 um, of. Um, of like black people in Google, black women, and so um, yeah. So it's it's so oh and 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 so the way that it actually went down is I got an email at like ten thirty four on December second with my manager's manager's manager VP. This is ten thirty four p.m. <laughs> yeah, ten thirty four p.m. at night, uh, Eastern Eastern time. I'm in I'm in Ohio right now visiting my family, mm. and they um. You know, the VP said, um, your boss has tendered her resignation. Um, you know, you, um, like, please continue doing your strong work or whatever. And so I thought, oh, she's just, you know, okay. Like, I understand it. There's a lot of bullshit here. <laughs> I thought yeah. about quitting a lot. And then, um, and then I texted her and she's like, oh, I didn't resign. And so, like, so it was complete different <sighs> things. And there's... I mean, if you want to go to the, there's a whole kind of FAQ on what happened um, that you can find if you just Google like medium, Google walkout, um, or if you can put that in show notes or something. And there's a petition. Yeah. Can um, you please but, just repeat that? Yeah. Google, um, Google medium walkout. Google medium walkout and look at the account and you'll find the account that's Google, Google walkout.medium.com. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And like the first article 
um, they are kind of on like setting the record, the, I mean, the first two setting the record straight and then standing with Dr. Tamit Jibru kind of lays out what happened. And yeah. so, you know, right now, I mean, we had a huge support in this since like we launched this petition. It has 2,200 public Googlers signing. It actually has, or, or 2,200, not public Googlers, but 2,200 Googlers signing and over 3,000 people in industry. It's actually, right now it's like 3,500 in industry. And oh, actually, wow. So this petition already has about 6,000 signatures. Um, Absolute outpouring of support, which was so heartening to see. Yeah, so it's been really heartening to see this solidarity. Um, I mean, I think like kind of goes further. I mean, in conversations, just to bring it back to the original conversation about the needs for independent research around things mm -hmm. like content moderation and technology, um, the need for um, the need for kind of like academic freedom, but also the fact that like these companies just have too much power, and you know like. <laughs> just uh in, in any kind of effort and uh sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry for listeners my cat anna just walked into the shot <laughs> and Maliha is, is at my house right now so <laughs> and sorry i got very excited to see uh -huh. baby girl <laughs> she just she woke up and she was uh -huh. like ah! <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm sorry. I have a couple of cats over here who are sleeping, so I'm sure if and when they wake up and make an appearance, I will also Amazing. make a okay, excited gesture. Good. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was that was completely. Derailed. You know what? We can cut out the audio. It's okay. Oh my god. Oh no, it's fine. It'll be just. Yeah, I just kind of usually play it through. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, and, uh... But yes, so the way that we were kind of tying this back to the original is uh, in reference to a lack of corporate accountability, um, as well mm -hmm. as the fact that um, like we see a lot of parallels between the two um, because um, they created a distance between themselves and Tamit uh, in, a, in a not dissimilar way to the way that higher ups like principals and agents, right? Like. Um, the way that Sundar Pichai creates distance between himself and like YouTube content moderators, right? Like you see the mm -hmm. parallels, but the difference is that Tamit is uh, very high profile. She is famous worldwide. Um, mm. She's got a lot of outspoken support, while as like generally moderators don't have that. This was something that Tamit was talking about as well on her Twitter uh, when it's like, okay, well, here's this woman with like demonstrated. Um, like long history of being an absolute genius um and this is how she gets treated right um how do people get treated when they do not have her her stature her publicly known yes yeah yeah that was another reason that we were like oh okay it looks like content moderation is something important to look at because um so we talked about outsourcing to other com countries but another thing is like have like I worked through two different companies that uh, until I worked for like the company in question. So like YouTube um, contracted their work out to Accenture and then Accenture contracted their subcontracted their work out to another company. And that's the company that I worked for. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a way of creating abs like just complete deniability. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's Ugh. there's like different reasons why companies, at least, sort of say these they do that. I mean, 
you know, the kind of rationale tends to be on like, you know, this sort of language that management loves to use on quote unquote flexibility, um, being able to like hire and be flexible in different kind of workforces. Um, they also try to shunt it to the degree, uh, something around scale and scaling. Basically, you mm -hmm. try to, you have to hire out all these people who are sort of local to the to the context to do this. But that's actually not really why they do that. I mean, they do it because it's cheap labor. I mean, it's a sort of in, in they do right. it because of economic. They also do it because of legal liability. Yeah. Um, and right. so, and and you would actually, having to provide benefits. Yeah, and if you were actually, if you were actually, like, concerned about like getting it right in these different locations, it would actually, you would actually do a few different things, right? You would actually bring some of it in house, um, to actually be connected with the quality of that. You would also have these offices in many more different locations. Um, I work right now. Actually, someone that to me was going to work with. And he just came to Google for a year as a visiting researcher. Was um, a researcher named um, uh, El Mahdi, and um, I forget his surname. And his um, let me let me search it real quick on on Twitter. <laughs> his name is uh, yeah El Mahdi El, El, El Mahamdi, and and he uh, you know one re one reason you know something he's focused a lot on has been on how there's such a disproportionate kind of enforcement of moderation on um, in Twitter and YouTube. And you have to know a bit about like a UAE and like in, in like Moroccan politics and like kind of regional politics. Mm. And, you know, I mean, any, any kind of like person in, who has versed in, in, the, in like Middle East could tell you these things in kind of regional politics. And um, you know, these are things which actually get quite ignored, and there's not enough linguistic competence on this. Um, and so, linguistic what? Competence, like people mm. don't actually speak the languages in which this like harassment and abuse mm. is happening. Um, you also, we also saw <laughs> this. We also saw this in uh, there's a a data scientist from Facebook that just posted a thing um, a couple of months ago. It was talking about these like actions that were happening. And all this abuse that was happening in places in in different places um in different places that were like in the global south and um it was basically like up to her to like find these things um and you know one person who's overworked and like overstressed on what this is happening but they don't actually care about the context or have enough competent people doing what it's doing so i mean that's that's the same thing that's happening there's the kind of excuses that are being used for this outsourcing are pretty shallow, mm -hmm. and um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's it's you know, this kind of analysis that I think has to do with how much money it costs, the political economy of it, as well as um, kind of like the distance that they can do from a liability uh, perspective. Mm. It reminds me of about maybe right before the election in November, um, I talked with a couple of drivers who were affiliated with uh, folks voting against uh, no on Prop 22, or voting, can you hear me? Okay. And uh, it just sounds like so similar to like these big companies like Uber and Lyft who would do everything they could in order, like including rewriting or creating legislature 
that would ensure that their workers did not have basic rights. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, one of the things Alex was actually working on, uh, voter outreach for that, like, um, phone banking. And one of the things mm. that we found out is, uh, is that apparently in order to keep working for some of these companies, um, like if you're an Instacart driver or whatever, you would have to press like, yes, I support it in order to keep yeah. working. And then they would yeah. use that as actual data instead. It, it's coerced. Such like, bullshit. It's, it's yeah horrendous it's like disgusting. for a lot of people this is just their livelihood like what are they gonna do say no and then starve yeah yeah it's this is uh, like yeah this is also i feel like this is also kind of the backlash that uh content moderators receive like mm. i'm minorly concerned because um i i think that everything i'm saying about youtube is protected uh but i did sign an nda when i was with them <laughs> I think I couldn't find it, but I must have, right? Because like they don't make you watch child porn without first making you sign an NDA. <sighs> oh, <laughs> uh. um, but like this. Oh no, it's like, yeah. And oh. then like, there's also like, here's Alex, and like she's trying to be defensive of her boss, but that necessarily involves shitting on Google. Um, because Google did a shitty thing here, and what that means here is yeah. that here's Alex, and she's like, okay, I'm gonna defend my boss, but then also like, oh, well, what if, what if I do it, and I'm also afraid of getting fired? Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I feel like they have these actions in order to try to scare other people, like, oh, we're gonna, if this one person speaks up to us, then we're going to ask them to leave, and then, in a way, it would just... Yeah, it's awful. I also wonder, I remember like when Google started, I thought its tagline was don't be evil. And I'm wondering what happened. They removed they it. Just, they did, yeah, they just couldn't live with themselves anymore, I guess. They were like- I, Yeah, when I was working at YouTube, my, um, like they have Google umbrellas that you could borrow. Um, and uh, it's, it's, so it's an umbrella and then around the whole circle, it says, don't be evil, don't be evil. Um, and, uh, my wellness coach was so disturbed, wellness coach, first of all, what a fucking joke is a wellness coach. Anyway, but my wellness coach, uh, was like disturbed by it because it's so ominous and like, don't be evil. It just, it's, there's something about it that's off-putting if you don't know that this is like, you know, from 2005 or whatever. Um, yeah. but the thing is by then they'd already removed it. So like, it was, and I don't his and other than Bella. I told him, yeah, his reaction when I told him that, oh, yeah, that's not their like, slogan anymore. I mean, also, like, in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, 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 it sounds, it, it goes from a different mood. I mean, I don't know which mood it is because you are the linguist and not me, but it becomes, um, it becomes um, a, a, a more from a code to, a, to an imperative to the like content moderators. Now the mm. content moderators are being told like not to be evil rather than like it being kind of like a code of conduct sort of thing. I don't understand what you mean. I meant like, you know, like one of those things there, there's a value statement in which the owners are saying, don't be evil. But then if there's just like an ominous umbrella that's like, don't be evil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> A literally ominous umbrella. <laughs> yeah, the ominous umbrella that says, don't be evil, Maliha. 
which in this case, like, <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, they were which, supposed to say it to themselves. Why are they telling us? They should have told we have no us. power to be evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we try to be it's a lot good, of projecting, actually, I guess. Yeah, when we try to be good, it actually is like a liability on us. Yeah. I mean, we, like, as a content moderator, if I was to be evil, uh, that would be, like, letting through hate speech, you know, like, oh, I see. Which happens anyway, it seems. Which happens like, anyway! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, it's just, it's so, like, I'm not on Facebook much, I still have a profile up, but I've been trying to, like, wean myself, however, I have so many contacts on there that it's really difficult, but I do know that it's, like, the whole platform itself is evil, and yep. just, it's, yeah, it's, ugh. Yeah, and then I think for... That- uh, one thing that I heard about recently in the news is that there is this Russian YouTuber named uh, Stas Rhee or something like that, and he um, he basically would abuse his girlfriend for money, um, and she announced that she was pregnant, and in that video, um, or like, not in that same video, but um, this was not originally uploaded onto YouTube, it was live streamed elsewhere. But the thing that he got paid uh, money to do for this particular episode or whatever was that he and a friend stripped her to her underwear and then pushed her out onto the balcony and she had to stay there for a number of minutes. But the thing was, it's in Russia, so it's like negative degrees. And um, that's Fahrenheit for our international listeners. And <laughs> yeah, and and when he finally went out and got her, she was not alive anymore. Um, and so it's like, <sighs> this is a like snuff film up and people have like reposted it to youtube so many times youtube is really struggling to take it down and the like main thing they can say in their defense is that at least it wasn't originally uploaded here at least the live occurred somewhere else which is like that's nothing that's not a defense and then um one thing that you'll notice is that youtube's algorithms know enough to put a tag on it that this like you know, I, what do they say? Like, this content may be sensitive for some viewers or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. they put an age restriction or something like that on it. But they can't put, like, they can't have it automatically be taken down, despite the fact that there is a dead body in it. Like, they pull her in, and it takes them a long time. Like, he's Ugh. talking to the chat, and he's saying, oh, she seems cold. Or, like, you know, like, oh, I don't think she's breathing. He's talking to his viewers, right? This is a level of sociopathy, and, like... I don't know. I don't know that much about computer vision and stuff, but like, I feel like if it can tell that this is sensitive content, particularly because the titles are all like, this dude kills his girlfriend or this girlfriend dies on camera, like all the titles are like that. And for them to not be able to automatically shut that down, that is not a, uh, that's not something that they can't control. That's something that they're not controlling. And mm-hmm. it's like the work's being pushed onto content moderators, but for why? Like this, this is something that could be handled. Yeah, like while I was working at YouTube, um, the um, the shooting in New Zealand when the that subscribed that guy who shot up the two mosques. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I was working at YouTube when that happened, and they immediately shunted all of the work onto this one particular team, and I worked right across the aisle from them. So then that's how I knew that, and it, it's like they were all like telling me how to see they were like oh i refused to watch the video like most of them refused to watch it all the way through they just like watch enough to be like oh okay so there's like this color carpet this kind of door the person looks like this okay we can recognize it immediately we don't have to wait until people start dying to figure it out um 
but then the main the lead of that team um he was he was muslim he was middle eastern i forget where he's from mm-hmm. but he made himself watch the whole thing because he felt like he had a responsibility yeah. to yeah that's how i felt too like what a painful thing to do to yourself but like that's what some yeah. of these moderators are coming from like the person who trained me she was considered like a golden reviewer because um her accuracy score was what they based like if she made a review and she called for instance uh one of my one of my skills that they trained me in was telling if someone's a minor or not or guesstimating if someone's a minor or not with high level of accuracy so for instance um i remember having a video where i couldn't tell if someone was a minor and it was uh because they looked like a malnourished adult Mm -hmm. they looked like they could have been a malnourished adult or they could have been a minor who was like also malnourished but so like if she made the judgment that this person was an adult then everybody would go with that judgment she was considered the Mm -hmm. golden one first of all on a side note in my very first week um i found out that this lady who is the golden reviewer so crucial to this team and this job she had to work Mm -hmm. a second job as a like bartender or waitress or something just like like the level of disrespect for even those who you are indebted to um but yeah she was also somebody who was like very strongly affected by child sexual abuse imagery um and so she was she was also one of those people who um would make herself watch him so that you can so you could figure out like the kinds of advice that she gave us during training was like like very useful very upsetting (laughs) so like one of the things was like if you turn off the sound then it looks like you're watching a movie you can take yourself out of the moment and pretend like it's not real or like yeah just stuff like that or like if you're using audio cues to try to figure out if it's a minor or not then you can also shut off the video and just listen to audio and it was like recommended not to do both at the same time stuff like that so it's like Mm -hmm. but she would make herself watch them so she became familiar with them so that she could like do more about them later but like i don't i don't know how much that actually like she definitely wasn't getting paid enough for it like she definitely was motivated by the mission of protecting children but the thing is she shouldn't have had to work that hard to protect children like youtube had a lot of responsibility and they absolutely like fumbled the ball Mm -hmm. yeah well said i mean that seems to be like a common occurrence with these large tech companies i guess they only get so large for a reason yeah by being evil (laughs) you know you you have to be you know generating money for the shareholders at whatever cost i mean that's the name of the game um and i mean that the kind of you know one of the i know one of the things you asked us earlier on is you know what what kind of um you know what where we kind of got information about this from Mm -hmm. where we um and like part of it's you know Maliha's experience and the experience of our coworkers, and we also were watching some uh, some um, um, talks from some former moderators, um, including. Ooh, um, talk about the word. Yeah, yeah. So, so for instance, and there was uh, this new group called the Real Facebook Oversight Board, which takes mm. its name from 
you know, this, the, the Facebook oversight board, which is this external board full of kind of lawyers and academics. Um, and um, zero content moderators. Zero content moderators. And they're, they're the ones that kind of, they're supposed to be the, the ones that sort of adjudicate what happens to, um, to, uh, you know, to certain cases. And, you know, these folks are folks where, you know, like, there's certain kinds of cases that get elevated and, and whatnot. And the thing is that this, this like board is supposed to have some of external power, but it doesn't really have any power even reported. I remember that they were supposed to have these, um, these sort of like uh, dashboards and laptops that they were supposed to get access to. And mm -hmm. uh, like, they, they like couldn't even get like get the laptops <laughs> like for some reason that <laughs> so they couldn't get even like, for some reason there was like a difficulty of like getting them laptops so it was really bizarre and there was like all these excuses and so this group the real facebook um uh oversight board is kind of a kind of a combination of lawyers and whistleblowers and they i think they're based in the uk and um you know they've had they've had a few different um uh um events on on youtube and um or, or public events and and so one of the one of the people that we we, we quote a lot in the talk is um Vianna ferguson and who's a former subject matter expert and content moderator and you know in in that you know it was really amazing to hear her talk because she was talking about sort of like the sort of um two points and one kind of related to what malia was just talking about was how content moderation actually, you know, it's a hard job. It, there's ways to make it sustainable, you know, mm -hmm. and there's actually ways, like it's hard. But there's ways to actually make it sustainable. And that includes like, you'd have to dramatically reduce the kind of time moderators are actually working. Uh, you'd have to give them real healthcare, real mental healthcare instead of these wellness mm -hmm. coaches. <laughs> you would have to actually treat them and pay them like real employees by bringing them yes. to the house. And, you know, like Vienna, like, like uh, Maliha, like Maliha's colleague, like, there's a moral commitment to this kind of work that these folks do. They do it because, I mean, they do feel like they're protecting folks from kind of the worst elements of the internet. And yes. You, you also hear this from moderators that, um, that uh, um, Sarah Roberts, who's one of the first um, scholars to write on commercial content moderation, also said in her respondents i remember one of her respondents that said something like i feel like this kind of mythical evil eater that's in um i think celtic uh mythology um mm. and and so there's and there's such a this moral aspect of it is so like folks feel committed to it because they're like making the internet kind of like livable um but then at the same time like these companies are not making it livable for these for these people um so in in just getting back to the don't be evil imperative, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that imperative uh, might be written on these umbrellas, but like, I feel like if your boss is yelling at you like that to don't be evil when you're really trying not to be evil, but they don't allow you <sighs> to have the tools of not to, not to be evil or to actually do it with the, in a way that respects your humanity and the kind of moral sensibility that you have. I will say that my boss has never yelled at me. Like my team in particular, uh, I would say that definitely the 
like the higher ups kind of knew what was what like they know this is a trash job they're like okay sure like we're gonna look the other way when because we've had a certain amount of uh so-called wellness time and we were supposed to use it for so-called wellness activities <laughs> and i have to ask i'm sorry to interrupt you but what would what would qualify as a wellness activity Oh, uh, so our wellness coach, um, our so-called wellness coach, uh, <laughs> our wellness coach would uh, about once an hour or something hold a five-minute activity for, like, not all of them are five minutes, but, like, this is a normal example. So, like, every hour there's five minutes of, like, going in the wellness corner and doing push-ups or doing, you know, physical activity or, like, yoga or meditation or yeah, and they had a meditation room that was very, very attractive. They put it up really nice. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then we'd go on a couple walks a day. Um, but one thing about the wellness coach is that I always knew that I couldn't necessarily, well, I didn't know at first, but then I knew that you can't really trust them. You can't talk to them about uh, what stuff is affecting you. Um, mm. Yeah, I had some big stuff happen in my personal life while I was working there. And I, like, I didn't feel safe to talk to them because I knew that they were basically taking notes and if they thought it would affect my work, they would, like, go ahead and, you know, <sighs> take it up the line. And, they, you know, I remember talking of, uh, is it called EAP, Employee Assistance Program? You're supposed to get a certain number of, like, uh, therapy sessions through Google. And mm. I talked, like, I found out that this was a thing and I was like, I think I could use that. And I talked to my wellness coach and was like, can you get me into that? And he was like, oh, well, you know, I don't really recommend it. And I don't remember the reasoning he gave me. It was something about the fact that it's like you only get 10 therapy sessions as opposed to finding an outside therapist. And it's like, yeah, but that would fucking help me. Like, are yeah, you joking? Absolutely. It would help way more than a, yeah, yeah. So wellness time, we were given, I think, if I remember correctly, it was like an hour or an hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes, whatever. We were given this amount of wellness time every day to do wellness activities or take to use as we wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. And every, and like, you weren't supposed to use them to go take a long lunch, but you could. And I regularly. I mean, if, if it's your time, I'm yeah, saying, it's your time right? You'd be like, able to use that for whatever is wellness for you. <laughs> Yeah, instead That's, of something like you do in elementary school. Yeah, I would much rather go spend an extra thirty minutes to eat a burger. <laughs> um, yeah, I I eat slow. That's the joke, but um, but not the point. The point is like my uh, my higher ups had a tendency to look the other way and not be like, Maliha, did you take a very long lunch? <laughs> like they would generally not get on my back for small things like that especially because I made my numbers I you know I did okay at the work and yeah I was I was good at the job even though it made me feel the way it did and because of that my managers were definitely um a lot um yeah I never saw them treat other people the or treat um content moderators the way that you hear about in the news the way that Facebook um treats its content moderators and they have like nine minutes of wellness time and like everybody has to go pee at the same time um oh. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Or like you have a strict amount of lunchtime and then you spend a lot of it just waiting in line to use the microwave or try to use your lunch break to use the bathroom. And it's like, it's just, <laughs> uh, I did not have terrific. those problems at YouTube. I hate to be like, oh, well, well, this, these are the things that YouTube did well because like, it doesn't make up for the fa fact that this is what we had to see. This is how low we were paid to see it. And this is like mm -hmm. what they could have done that they didn't to protect us better yeah. or to make the job more sustainable. Right. I mean, I walked around an angry person for so long. It took such a long time to let go of that. I like, I mean, I didn't even realize that it was traumatic until like I was triggered in January when like I was, yeah, I, went to go visit my cousins and she just had a baby a couple of years ago and it was my first time meeting this baby and like I saw her bathing her kid and my brain was like oh okay I can't be here and like I had nightmares that night uh. like I did over something so not like normal mm. right and it's like you don't yeah I was not paid enough for that like this is not <laughs> yeah so but here's what YouTube did right they gave us more time they gave, like, my particular team, they, like, our managers would generally look the other way so long as we hit our quotas for the day. And we did not have, like, 5,000 posts a day to go through. We had to do, like, I don't know, uh, last I was there, it was, like, 400 or something, which is, like, very doable. Um, yeah. <laughs> so these are the things that make me say, yeah, it uh, a lot of the job is pretty awful and, you know, leaves long lasting effects, but also here's the ways that they did well and they could have done better. Like this is, uh, yeah, we recently had a Q&A session with other people and it was like, it's really weird to try to tell people, yeah, the job is looking at like, you know, horrible content or hate speech or whatever, it, but it can be made more sustainable. You can make it so it's like, because already some of the things you get desensitized to naturally, just in the course of like, like in a very mundane work way, you get desensitized. So like the fact that, yeah, yeah, it could be made a lot more sustainable. Um, so that these, you know, so-called sin eaters, um, they can do their job and the sin doesn't have to poison them. Yeah. Oh. Thank you for sharing all that. That's that's a lot. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Glad to help. Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Okay, let's see what we're doing. Gosh. I mean, just uh, just uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the kind of talk, I mean, we talk about the sustainability, and I mean, you know, just reiterating the sort of things that, like, you know, the kind of you know the kind of bring bring workers in house i mean this is sort of like one thing you know the kind of like mythical google facebook whatever tech company benefits that they have that you know with slides and silly shit like that but like actually having mental health support uh that, yeah. would, actually, that would actually be um you know actually pay people um actually have that kind of insurance um uh you know another thing this is something you know mary gray suggests and i think would also be kind of a, a um a, a good suggestion um mary gray studies crowd workers who do things on kind of like uh amazon mechanical turk and distributed work 
would be to have like a guild system that kind of like brings people together um, and and also has like some kind of a floor for for benefits and also kind of a floor for like what people can share about like which employers are shitty and which employers are gonna mm-hmm. you know and that being cross institutional as well um, not only within one company but across multiple companies yeah um yeah and and, and then also like in terms of, we haven't really talked about the policy aspects of this but even like you know on the on, even on and that, on the policy side having companies share details with themselves is kind of you know new and emerging threats um kind of in this space rather than having all these different you know books uh, you know code books and instructions and policy that sort of floats around um you know and in a really uneven way um so you know all of these would improve um the conditions of workers at these companies mm-hmm. yeah from what i'm really hearing is that it's just so much of a big labor issue yeah on, on top of everything else too like there's certain there's several pieces to it and that just seems to be an overwhelming aspect to it yeah uh one thing that i heard this week um in terms of to me it's uh dr jabru's um plight uh, is uh, that once there's no more avenues of escalation, that's when you should consider it whistleblowing and therefore like protected speech. And I Mm. think that like talking about the fact that like Facebook is necessarily a worse employer in these ways, like the fact that they're making people come back in during the pandemic, what the fuck Facebook, (laughs) like do better. Um, So when you look at, yeah, that kind of stuff, it's it's clear to me that this stuff is not covered by an NDA. There's no way to have um, the employer mediate with you, or mm-hmm. is it called arbitration? There's no way to do that, right? There's no, yeah, there's no routes of escalation. There's no way to um, talk to each other and ask like, okay, which employer is least likely to have me be screwed later? Or like the fact that, um, yeah, Facebook is worse, but it pays a little bit more than YouTube. Like that's the kind of stuff that we were like thinking about while we were there. Cause there were people who mm-hmm. switched over um, because they were like, oh, okay. So this is bullshit, but like, maybe it would be better at uh, Facebook for these reasons. Like maybe I would be willing to do it for $5 more an hour. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, I did want to talk a little bit, sorry for the abrupt shift. I did something that was like really um, interesting in the video that I appreciated was the the segment when, and you've talked about it a little bit here, was just the external pressures and just ways that um, folks, whomever um, is affected by this can push back against the the actions of the higher ups. And so I thought we could maybe talk a little bit more about that to help provide both um, either folks who work in tech or work without tech, but everyone for the most part uses tech and social media in one way or another. And I think understanding how everyone can help support folks, whether they be content moderators or not, just to to put pressure on these companies. Uh, If we could talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Okay, so, I mean... so these are like talking about <laughs> solutions. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's what those are called. Yeah, I forget sure. about that. <laughs> when I'm really sad. Well, that was definitely something that we were concerned about when we first started with the um, keynote, started working on the keynote, where I was like, you know, I've got some problems, but I've got zero solutions. And, you know, the more we think about it, the like we touched on it kind of briefly, like I made a connection in the um, keynote to the finance industry, how like there's two different ways that finance is regulated. And one of the ways is it directly comes into their profits, right? Um, if they don't catch fraud. So I was specifically talking about fraud. So in, in the analog, the fraud is the hate speech or like, the child abuse or the you know whatever minor sexualization like these are the things that are not the content that you want to have on your site so we can call it fraud um mm -hmm. for the analog it, it like we touched on it so vaguely but the more i think about it the more i'm like yep external regulation that's the way to go so there's the internal regulation where they regulate it because it cuts into their profits then there's the external regulation where there's con consumer protections i think there should be analogous consumer protections for social media mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, did you have something to say about this? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about how we get there and <laughs> how I get, how we get there is I mean, the things that I think I mean, I'm you know, I the kind of I was politically raised in the labor movement, so I mean, <laughs> the kind of ways that we get there is with collective action. Right. And I mean, I mean in the kind of campaigns that we've seen be effective against YouTube are often the kind of resistances that we see that come from um, tech workers, but also tech workers that are solidar that are having solidarity with content moderator tech workers, so cross-class mm -hmm. solidarity. We've also seen actually the kind of ways in which creators as a type of worker have come together. And so there's actually a lot of folks who are influencers on Instagram or YouTube and and yeah when they advocate for themselves sometimes this gets things so we talk about life with Mac in the video but also like oh, yeah. but also you know we've also seen changes that happen on a policy level when uh, LGBT creators get together you know YouTube had a pretty bad problem censoring trans videos just in transition videos for instance and, mm -hmm. um when we see um, we see creators come together because that is in some sense a type of platform labor, and so you know I think there's a way in which there's these different groups that have that can develop different solidaristic structures, and I think that's a really important to foreground. I think in any kind of discussion of tech, a lot of things what we mm -hmm. think about in our conversation around tech has to deal with like privacy, and I you know privacy is important. Let's not neglect privacy, but privacy as the way it's thought about in the US is very much about individual individual acts. And, mm -hmm. and we always and we tend to see more effective and more consequential conversations when there's multiple different people and multiple different positions um, banding together and taking actions and sol solidarity. We saw that at Google with Project Maven. In the protest against Project Maven and Project Dragonfly, we yeah. saw like an inside-outside strategy when Google tried to reconstitute an, an external ethics board that had the homophobic and transphobic member of the Heritage Foundation on it. That's the director. I forgot about that. Uh, that was just like 
Last that is so interesting. <laughs> their attempt at ethics. Yeah, their attempt at ethics. And there was, you know, real emphasis on it, you know, and I want to shout out uh, uh, Lucia Floridi, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's a popular, uh, kind of a famous AI uh, ethicist. He was the only one of them who took a stand uh, in, in um, actually resigning his post there. Meanwhile, mm. other, other the heritage people, person. Yeah, when the heritage person joined, other people, however, did not. But that took a lot of agitation, both intern inside of Google and outside of Google. And there was some nice kind of cross, uh, kind of cross ground solidarities. And I mean, tying it back to the current moment, you know, finding the solidarities that we have here, both with internal Google employees and external ones, uh, and external people, and kind of in that the tech and tech and in broader communities. Um, Google is an interesting place because it's been a place that it has a history of employee activism. Um, mm-hmm. Is maybe one of the places that has sort of some of the most visible employee activism, but they've also used that opportunity to increase repression. There's this concept mm-hmm. within social movement scholarship called the protest repression nexus as this very annoying name. But it is, um, but what it means is like this interaction between states and protesters. But in this mm. case, it is a sort of interaction between companies and internal dissonance as the company is sort of, you know, sitting aside the state as like a powerful actor. And so we're seeing these more kinds of repressions. These kind of crackdowns on, oh. on Dr. Tamit Jabru. Oh, sorry to cut out for a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it uh, cut out for a little bit. So if you don't mind, oh. just going back a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. sorry, I was just on a rant. Just like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So no, we, no, but no. it's really interesting. Go Please, back on the rant. Let's go back to the protest repression nexus. And we've seen this kind of increase yeah. of repression, whether that's, well, that's not like in the case of Google any kind of like repression, you know, they're not sending armed militias after protesters, but they are targeting them for uh, in, inconsequential acts like sending an email or leaking or whistleblowing things that are the ethical move when, uh, you know, when the employer is not willing to actually listen. Um, and so uh, we're seeing that escalation and then we're it's sort of a playbook that is they're ramping up and they've been fortifying themselves internally. Um, and with, you know, being within Google, they've, they've uh, instituted a number of things like instituting community guidelines and shutting down the, the, like the company all hands. And I think it's sort of now the sort of, it, I mean, the, the sort of way I see forward, and I mean, that's sort of the thing that I think I always come back to being someone again, raised with this labor 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 uh history is is solidarity you know solidarity yes. sort of the thing that i think was where we gotta go and uh and and uh it's a hard it's a harder path to follow but it's the one that makes you know that makes this kind of change sustainable Maybe this is uh, not super related, but why did they cancel the all hands? How is that helping? All hand just means the whole company meets, like yeah, the whole the whole company meets. So like they, you know, they kind of threw it. You know, they kind of threw. They said, uh, you know, there's too many people, uh, you know, to do a proper all hands, and um, 
and then they'd say like uh um you know what else did they say they were like um you know our all hands questions are never about the subject matter they'd always bring out some product person and they're like you know and so then like you know let's you know let's uh go and like we're gonna have separate town halls or about community culture and of course they haven't had any <laughs> like they only have some when the meeting they actually had today had no uh no feedback mechanisms the two leaders within research uh only had a conversation amongst themselves for 30 minutes and then they gave it to an external diversity consultant to field questions and she even field questions she uh uh told us to meditate <laughs> incredible incredible galaxy <sighs> like wow i was unbelievable. like unbelievable like you can't make like oh wow it's just it's just stuff out of a out of a sitcom like I, it I, is it's out just, of an abuser's playbook too. Like yeah, maybe yeah. you're the one overreacting. Did maybe you think you of that? <laughs> maybe you need to meditate and take some deep breaths. Maybe and, if you yeah. try mindfulness meditation, you will stop noticing the boot on your neck. Have you considered that? <laughs> I I just Maliha, I can't. It was oh, Alex. I was shaking in rage. Oh. And you know I my like my heart goes out to to like all the members of the Black Googler Network who are also shaking in rage when they were when they got a chance to speak in the call. And so, yeah, it's just infuriating, infuriating, just absolute, absolute like absolute. And you all were forced to sit there and listen to it. Absolute neoliberal diversity garbage, like mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what could you do? Uh, and all the questions were just furious, you know. Like, so you, you know, not only will you know, not only does this industry sort of like, I mean, not only does this industry go ahead and disrespect its black employees and its the employees of color and queer employees, it will lean back and give you a diversity training <laughs> and tell you to breathe. I can't believe it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, also, just in terms of the demographics of the folks who are hired in the first place That's is already right. like that in itself is reprehensible. That's that's right. That that's right. The demographics Google has right now three point six percent, three point seven percent black employees, going up from three point three percent last year, barely going up each year um you know black women within the company consistently rate the lowest satisfaction rates kind of like something like 50 percent say they have any kind of measure of like mm. satisfaction with their jobs and i should say also Sounds like, higher than i would have expected too yeah yeah and i mean even the i should also say like just a you know kind of the shout out and and what the kind of t like work that in the team that Tanit's built, like everybody on the team, kind of the most diverse racially, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity team I've ever worked on. 
anywhere outside yeah. of you know and 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 that's sort of you know kind of like an outlier but it's also like the kind of disrespect that they put on on her also kind of light echoes in the kind of the team that 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 she built i mean she she created this team or she and meg created this team with like you guys were curated right and they picked like the cream of the crop for their team which is very so it's like if they throw your boss away like that i'm sure that reverberates on you guys like mm. okay well what am i not allowed to say yeah. one thing i will say um my okay so i had two wellness coaches when i started at youtube and then by the time i ended i only had one but one of my wellness coaches uh said the quiet thing out loud she was straight up like oh yeah, when you look around and you see that there's hardly any white people uh, doing content moderation here, it's because um, white people generally would not be willing to do this kind of work for such low pay. Mm. Mm. And I was like, oh, why are you telling me this? Because mm. <laughs> uh, in mm. that moment, I was like so disheartened and demotivated. And I like I had no choice but to stay in the situation. I can appreciate it now looking back that she said this to me um, because I'm sure that that wasn't something that... Um, you know, would be kosher for her to say normally. She's, but it. This is the work we have to live with. Um, and these are the like. Sorry, you cut out for a second. Oh my bad. Um. Sorry. Oh no. I was just talking about the fact, or the fact that she said this to me. Um, <laughs> was a little piece of solidarity, which I really appreciated, but also like. What diversity looks like um, at the bottom of that hierarchy compared to higher up where Alex, mm. like Alex's team is, um, yeah, mm -hmm. diversity at her level um, it looks like curation. Diversity mm -hmm. at my level, it it looks like menial labor. Mm. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, okay, I guess I don't know the definition of menial. Does it have to mean physical? It doesn't, right? <laughs> Okay, cool, cool. Don't yes, guess. menial labor. <laughs> yes, menial intellectual labor. Yeah. I mean, it also just makes me think about, like, domestic workers, to, you know, and folks working in, inside the home and how those are often, like, jobs that are so, like, necessary and yet so low-paying. Um, and just the folks who end up doing it are a lot of non-white and a lot of women. Yeah. And, some folks are doing that work. And it's like the really grueling necessary work a lot of the time to and it make looks yeah. so diverse. <laughs> so diverse. Uh yeah. in a way. In the I don't know. Like white people will call a whole room of Asian people from the same country diverse. Do you know what I mean? <sighs> Is that a weird thing to say? Like you'll walk no. like a white person will walk into a room of Chinese people all from the same city in China and they'll be like what a diverse environment. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. wait, this is, what yeah. does diversity mean to you? Diversity means race for white people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, race at all. Or like, we live in California, and California is like a majority minority state. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is a majority minority? Like, we're the majority, and they're still calling us the, mi yeah. Yeah. the minority. Yeah. 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 Uh... The audacity. The caucasity. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I really appreciate um, talking with you two, and I thought 
if we can either start to wrap up, um, if there's anything else you wanted to share that we didn't quite get to, or anything else that was like also in the video that you have like learned since then or wanted to add. Um. Um, okay, I'm looking over your questions real quick. Um, yeah. I would say the, um, we would push a lot harder if we'd felt the same way when we were writing it as we do now on the mm. solutions because some of the solutions become really clear um yeah like i said with to me it's a uh, letter to the women and allies it's <laughs> like you know here's this like we came up with this analysis on our own and then here's somebody else with a much higher level perspective of what's going on and she's mm -hmm. saying the same thing as us it's clear external pressure is the way to go like that's uh any work that comes out of this content moder or yeah content moderation keynote is gonna push a lot harder on the fact external regulation is the way to go like you know we're we're <sighs> yeah um yeah but you can't rely on the government but you have to push the government and try to get them to yeah work. yeah Absolutely. yeah so with regards to like um what our listeners for this podcast can do um i guess it's like if you have the power to help work towards solidarity in these industries let's try to build something together mm -hmm. i just want to give a shout out to different kind of solidaristic organizations here um you know yeah. shout out to tech workers coalition um shout out to data for black lives Shout out to um, Collective Action in Tech. Uh, shout out to Logic Magazine. You heard Tech Worker. They're starting a, a Tech Worker School for organizing. Mm. Um, find it at that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. To search Logic School. Um, that's that's probably dope. I, I've seen the um, folks. Um, I've seen the folks involved, and it's just really amazing curriculum. The the person that runs it, Sao Sao Wei Wang, she's uh, there, dope. Um, yeah, it's a twelve-week free course, so yeah. please go apply. Yeah, yeah. So, um, shout out to who else? Who else to shout out? Malia, who, who's your shout out? Real Facebook. Oh, well, real Facebook. I was gonna shout out Alex Hanna for what? all her hard work. <laughs> I'm gonna shout out Maliha Ahmed being amazing. <laughs> Um, amazing cat co-parent. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, if you're involved with worker organizing in your area, you know, find a way, find these groups. And I mean, I think that's the way that power starts shifting away from tech companies and to you know consumers and users and and workers. Yeah. Especially because I think uh, this is like an online radio station, but the majority of your listeners are probably in the Bay, right? Yes, I, I don't honestly, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know, um, but there are definitely, I think folks who listen in the Bay area and also folks, I mean, wherever you can get an internet connection, you can listen in for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, in the Bay, this is like a particularly important, um, issue to tackle um also like other places are starting up to be like this like um 
Austin, Texas is going to be the next big hub of tech um, as this place mm. is getting too expensive. So let's move to Austin and start over and pay them less. Mm. Like, that's literally the mind. <laughs> that's literally the mindset. So like, um, yeah, it's uh, let's create something that other people can like. We're already like for our keynote or for our solutions. We can like a lot. Most of our keynotes come from other places where. Um, you know, we stand on other people's shoulders. Let's uh, create something that other people can stand on our shoulders too. Mm. It's beautiful. Get <laughs> to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much. I've learned a lot, a hell of a lot. So from the two of you. So thank you for sharing your experiences, also your personal experiences, and what you've learned as well. And I hope that uh, listeners will, I'm sure, also take away a lot of uh, information as well as uh, action items to take. Uh, very inspiring. So thank you both. Roman, you've been such a lovely interviewer. Thank you for having this wonderful platform and zero censorship. We really appreciate it. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Roman. Have a great yeah. one. You too. <laughs> okay. So coming up next, just going to play a lot of music maybe about eight songs six eight six to eight songs in a row and if you are interested in the names of the songs and or bands please check out the weekly rev just weeklyrev.org there'll be a link to the playlist on spotify so you can find all those songs there and big thanks again to alex and Mliha for sharing so much great information with us and we'll be back next week. Please do check out weeklyrev.org for previous episodes, as well as mutinyradio.fm. There are great shows there every day of the week, so please do take a look. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Enjoy the music. Time next time, and I'll do it right.
a weekly review from January 2021. Super interesting, super wonderful. Love Roman Reimer. Everything he's doing here at Mutiny Radio. Such um, an asset to the community. All right. Well, I've downloaded some things for, for later, and I'm excited about that. And we're going to have more Mutiny Radio. Coming at you all day at 6 o'clock. We've got the big comedy contest we've been running. It's been a lot of fun. Five winners. So we've been inviting audience because we're not going to be open to the public anymore. It's just going to be invite only because we're cool like that. It's a small space. We don't need to. If you want to see a show with Mutiny Radio, you can come this Saturday to Atlas, 2 o'clock, right around the corner here for Mutiny Radio. It's at 20th in Alabama, 2 in the afternoon. We have comedy outside. Also, every Wednesday at Asiento, also half a block from the station. That's on 21st and Bryant. But this Sunday, very special, last Sunday of the month, we do the Bar at Dolores, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Great, fun show. And this week has an amazing lineup. Tony Sparks and Ngayo Bilam, who is the host of Netflix's Cooking on High or something like that, Weed. He was the weed guy. Super exciting. Big, big headliners. And it's a free show. So... Get those tickets on Eventbrite, come out, have a drink. It's also a toy drive. If you bring a packaged toy, you get a free drink, free booze, help kids, everybody wins. 
All right, thanks for tuning in to Mutiny Radio. Enjoy some Aqualabs. Uh, this is Radio 11. Chattering deep into the light, bright webbings of patterned feet is this podcast brought to you on the Anchor.fm platform from the labs of AquaQ. Anchor.fm is available for iOS and Android. Brings a free and clear interface for your podcast creator genius with royalty-free music and sound effects that make you sound from the radiophonic workshop with segments for you to advertise yourself in the cash money you so deserve. Available everywhere. Podcasts are free. Just do the queue. Eddie Like the Drugs top bottle dropped sunside in a weathered balloon shot up to the side eleven aisle like those who follow down a highway towards the skyline oasis of puddles to smack her at. It was that kind of day again. And by day I mean the middle as is the maths of night and this is that and another for the quiet quite ledger of vertical drops for a robot to read to you and another and auto the all around roundness of all city the velo kind of cheese that boxes cook for the dips to chit away at and the meter sticks into it and makes a spicy splashed up bit of ooze to enjoy. For what else is there? Leisure is our pronoun tonight, and we name it thus so as to utilize the measure of bars and beats and treasure to bury for later as in the coin termed paper you neglected to write the evening before dew drops fonders and muddy sandal toad continuation of a runner on sentences in a jail cellular conversation which a copywriter turned you on to, like a car keyed for digital entry in an age of golden ratio Fibonacci, the petal rose as grows on you, tattoo lady. What was her name again? Came a quiet whisper across the room where needles drew and women showed their buttocks to other women to taunt for, if that were a word, and it may be just and those drawings, where did you get them from? They are from a notebook I've been meaning to keep yet keep losing, as in my mind. She flipped through the art book, look here's another. Do you think that would look good here? Your other buttock. Yes and slightly to the left this time, see if I raise like this, and I'm on my side, you know. Well, for the... Shoot, I lost another one. That's the third needle this week. I've got to buy myself another set, but I've been using this one since the 80s. You know I draw on Mount Claire before her movie career. Remember she was all up into it and said it would never end. It was her buttock too, funny choice of wordings. She had me right up there. Up where? Asked the notebook women. Oh, I see. She looked at the pictures Ava was showing her now. In any event, yes she's beautiful, and I never saw the films. Stag were they? Kind of dark lines there, don't you think? And what's that? Just that. It's just a star with an arrow through it. Clever if you're into a Cupid's way out of town, as she was. Well she was my invention. She'd come in during the middle of the week and let me draw and pay me in tips from the movies and we'd have a chat about what was next and next too, and sometimes we'd go in the backhand, well she was she and I was me and it was good to see her from all sides. And so the women lit up, her cigarette, and flipped through the book that was being handed to her, as Ava drew more on her right buttock and began to hum. It was a tune, out of, and slight and they took their time away from each other and carried on in their minds. Mount Claire was flipping out, in the book in front of this young woman. Flip flip. And flipping. She's flipping people off there. And flipping over there. And over, and over there. And all over. What a spread. And what a book. She looked at the back cover, 
$9.99 for this one. That's not bad for the 80s, I should get a pair. Like this? Ava turned her head up. Like you want that here? She motioned at one of the images from the book and pinched her patron's ass just a bit, and winked. Oh sure. I'd like a bit of Mount Claire, and some more about how she was. If that's part of the bargain it was. She looked at her arm a bit. Following the curves which had been drawn by her own hand in Starfire Times and Squares in the city where she fled in a summer not far from the swelter that tripped it from her profession, which was high finance, so to speak. And that comes with a smile, if you're interested, said the now positively gleaming young Ava, and she put her hand on the notebook and closed it. And closed doors, for an afternoon, the two enjoyed a bit of by Mount Clare towards an in and around and about spiral and twists in the back and roomy sectional couched plotter which was the shop where pleases were aimed, like Cupid in the star. Dot. Oh carry on with it, then, I'll take more of that any day. Evening, here's my number. The paper read with A+, as in from Europe, or thereabouts, in the 31 range, if that was accurate, and it was and she began window shopping herself, to understate an understanding and she was eyed wide, with the rest of her, and shop she did, from the inside out. Slash slash. The cobble streets where shoemakers cobbled shoeries is our next road stop to a man who is also shopping, in the lives of facts and measures to dress as successor to a planet, just up the road, and to the left, and left to his own devices was he, outside in the rain where anything could and usually did, on his watch, happen. He looked at his watch, watched, and watched we was. He was followed eastwardly and down a bit until he was noticed and there was a bit of closure in and some cars began to pull around, and other men got out of cars and began to walk towards the man, all the while the man stopped, to gently see what was moving and in which direction, and to see who stopped and who was near. And the nearest to him pulled out a packet of papers, neatly tied as in a manila envelope, and tucked it under his arm. You'll want to come with me. Shall we take a walk? A bit of a pause, a slightly uneasy, our character, looked, and turned with the man to have a conversation, and they walked. You know, you left us up last winter, we have the pictures you know. It was a crazy run finding you, you're not so easy to spot when you're not making waves like Geneva, are you? Do they all make it out? asked the man. Yes all but three, we have them. They're safe and within means and agreed to help us find you, if you can find them came the reply. Oh, I see, and that was what they told me this morning as well. I declined. Of course you did, that's why we're... I mean, I'm here. Yes the cars. Not so obvious that anybody would notice that down the corridor, eh? All shopping at Marks and Spencer again? I mean the budget reads like a show stocked by one and the only... What was her name again? Nellope. Yes she runs the numbers and thought we'd all get new coats if we found you. Clever, look this has enough pockets to line yours, and etc. Here. Take the envelope. I've got to get going and wanted to give you time to read and such. And the bridge is over there. I suggest you take a stroll and give it some thought. And if you don't jump over the side of that bridge, I'll take it as read that you're in and we can get on to business. Take it gently, Mr. Gent. Drab was his humor, 
Rhett to the collage of photos from the Spy X and tucked and bobbed away at the London fog he had worn himself. Page 11 is the one we want and he walked away. Dot. Leafling through this dossier was like a seeming seemingly of a party he was at just last year. All dead or alive, as per usual. He looked closely at one, ticked it out from between the pages, folded it into his pocket and tossed the rest over the side of that small bridge that was meant as a joke, but was perfect for recycling these matters, like water under a bridge, no less. He twirled gently and moved on forward and on to his next stop, with a telephone. Dot. The phone chimed dot dot for twelve and a half minutes. The operator was listening. He could hear her breathing. All right in there Mavis? Got enough toffees to last the conversation this was her exchange and she knew the party he was trying to reach. She out you know. Went down to the pub half past, you can still find her there she just rung up Pete and they're all on their way about to their next stop, if you can catch her. Thanks Mavis. You've saved my life on this one, and I'll send more toffees when I get out of the aisle. Click. Notebook under her arm. Man on the other, the young women walked out the pub and into a black cab. They rode into the city evening, with music from Bolero playing lightly on a stereophonic speaker dial-tuned radio program. And this is Radio 11, the driver turned down the volume. So it's West End again, eh? You client. All right, it's just up into that house, there. He pointed. And when you get it, you'll need this bottle of Dom and that's your entry into the back room, get it? and get it. We have 25 minutes and you should finish, or he'll finish you, and me. And I'll be round to pick you up, on time. Right? Right, she got out with the bottle and walked up to the steps, stepped up and took her key out. She jiggled her bosom in the lock and fingers the bottle of champagne just gently enough to remind herself that this was her job of jobs tonight. And she looked good. She peeled up her dress and showed her garter to the driver winked, and rode in on the bottle towards the rear of the flat, and her client's client client. Dot. James sat up from the comfort of his suede couch and couched his cigar between his lip and breathed out. He took the bottle from the young women, who he knew as. Claudia. Would you like a glass so oh, it's chilled? But you're hot. Here. He poured two glasses, flicked them himself, and handed her one, which she held up, to the artwork on the eastern wall. It's nice, she said, to the artwork reminiscent of Rampart. Or that other one. You know her accent was gently dumbed down for this one. She knew it was. And was. She stammered. Good one, she thought to herself. Yes, I forget myself with that one, which is why we're here, again, right? To forget ourselves and get ourselves, on, in fact. Or was there another matter you came about? I keep coming, back and forth, for you and the plug, you know the show? Got any interests this time I should know about? I mean last time was a surprise. And a good one. Yes interest, high-heeled interest like the bank rolled royces of pottery barnyard animal cookies glistened softly in a chewy ooze of sauntering saundermuck pie jubilee between cold winter sheets to the wind galloped velvet candied apple smotter. What? She learned that from Q. She bonged him on the head and smiled, she took some rope out of pocket, motioned, and tied him up a bit, to her pleasure, and then took out a pair of handcuffs and fixed his shoes to the chair, 
picked up the remainder of the bottle of champagne, and poured it into his mouth as he smiled expectantly. The bottle was of course drugged, and his smile turned into a half grin as he began to look as if he was having a stroke. He seemed alright, just couldn't get on with moving any, and she pulled a bottle of pills from her purse and left it by his chair. Just enough for now, I've got to get on with getting off from here now. Let me just take a few notes and I'll be off she reached into his breast pocket and took his wallet, with some loose notes which seemed fresh and currenty. And a small pouch with a diamond, of sorts. This is a bit more my speed she eyed the lattice structure as it gleamed and pulsed a bit as she brought it close to some power in her purse, I won't be back again. But the gents will to finish up. Best of luck with them. Their light staff tonight, shouldn't hurt your feeling too badly. She picked up her dress, snapped her garter at him and clicked the door closed behind her as the car pulled around and she hopped into the back seat this time, with the very berry sort of a man she'd been looking for all evening. The map opened up between them as peaks and valleys in the legend too, golden and bliss right up for a tremor of a ride downtown, and around the bend, bent up slightly and to the left. Driven home, for the nowity of sake, and shaken gently, as in gentlemen, and jacked slightly without a boozy under, but plucked and swirled, until they were fast asleep, and the sun horizon hit the other side of the planet again, for this another day in the continuation of continuity. The preceding episodic climatoidal fries modastical trollop portion of Oya's had been whizzed up the middle ground of wired magnetics for the very purposes of proposed time-space displacement and should be willed and rendered thusly on your papers and screened lightly. Photoshopped is for windows and the Mac truck stop grate and grated for cheese on and a finish for your evening as well. This is Aku Q and we bid a fair fair and well, from this Radio 11C3W. To write feet on backwards tackle nonsense in a sensical sensual causal relationship of worldly matters of materially frantastic eye motioning questions of checkery and balanced an even more set of throws into the early to be evening, if that was your time of night, and it was, not to stop bother or just that it was, slily changed and to the left again, patter as if that pattern was gently dipped into a spiky street of electrics whizzed by with the murmurs of hearts neatly tucked behind stereos while mild chatter of the news events of a day yet to come more was happening a world away, as it always was and thus reported into the airwaves if you were inclined or reclined to listen or let it flow into as the FM programming you choose to start your day. When the day becomes and turns away the night which you forget for the purposes of sanity, yet seek it again on a regular basis to maintain such a staticity of non-forgetfulness, only slightly to offset the ends of sanity again, and again, which oddly fits your design, or did and does by memory alone, as you may be in these moments as listening again, what is it that continues the forces of life inside any of us, or simultaneously all of us, and also what brings death and is that in sequence or altogether? Is death perhaps overworked these days? And should we feel sorrow for a job which ought not to return a lot of satisfaction to such a non-forced force of zeroing out, or is it a time of jubilee for the finals to be lifted and sorted or tossed around on sleds into a trucked city vehicle while their families wander from far away if they'll see their child in the stars that very evening, or perhaps next week, and wait. It was a ghost town, this town outside of town, where the reported and seemingly dead arrived, in a bus 
to a bar which may serve alcohol, at a time which was neither between day or night, and as it unloaded, the people on it, looked forward and around a bit, and didn't talk or offer each other a help of any kind, for that's what got them into this predicament. And it was a predicament, preceded by a non-behavior and thrown under, their arms like the pillow they brought to bed and perhaps still had, clinging on as some to the last bits of electrics which grounded them to this, the planet of their choosing, as delivered their lifetime ago by that hopped up beast of perhaps a stork, or shot out of a cannon as they now remembered, making their way towards a new challenge, delivered at that very hospital, or one near and far away from their hearts, which were no longer beating themselves up like the drummer they perhaps followed, or perhaps even made a sound in motion to start their own circle, and did. Well did, was the operative word here, and there was no operation. For some this was a relief and for others they'd hoped of a bit more fervor in their demise, instead of this old bus, which was now pulling away to get some more. And the more company it brought, you'd think the mood would change, or that the party would start, and that life would begin again for these souls without an air pair of sock on some, perhaps too rich to go poor on the streets they loved, or even not given the chance to go mad and rediscover a world of living before they unchoose to. Well, what had happened? Death was standing over, just there. But he had a sort of uniform on. Not the usual one you'd expect, big black coat with cold black eyes you couldn't see. And he had a voice. Again, not the usual tonal somber one you'd see in film, but a quiet calm and directing voice, as he took out a map and motioned to a set of others on where this next lot was meant to settle. A settlement for the dead. On this planet? Or in it? There was a hole up ahead. Some people were already walking towards it, perhaps that's where they were meant to go in such a malaise of non-reasoning, they reasoned with each other and some began to point. The men pointed back at them and motioned. There was a young man, or perhaps a young woman though likely it was a manning based on his pajamas he'd been comfortable up until a moment ago, or several, counting the rigas route which the bus took on its way up here. Or was it down here? He pondered. The lights were still visible from where he stood, that way over there. That warm city, and now this cold plot in plotted bit of land with a warmish hole. That was their reasoning. The man's name had to be reminded to himself at this moment, by the too soon pair of other uniformed men who approached him and called to his attention his new identification. It goes on your toe, sir, was a bit of laughter from the other. We tag him and bag him and you have made a grade up to the other level one said. Oh. It's just I. Was a stammering about to happen. He thought he'd get his bearings first, but time in this place was not a luxury as it was on the, and where am I? Level K, said the other. That's where we're taking you. Answers to his questions were not forthright and he decided he would walk along and discover what the men were up and about. They looked down at his feet and turned with each other and walked a bit in the direction our character was thinking of going in anyway. They all moved forward. One had a radio, and it placarded every 30 seconds or so. No audio and there was a solemn understanding between the men, who moved in their usual way and as if they had some regular duty here, and they did. To deliver this man to the level, as stated, K. A small door appeared lit only by the seam to show that there were electrics inside, and perhaps life he thought. I mean who would power the electrics, and perhaps there was heat. 
It was dimly cold and wet outside, and he'd hoped for perhaps a cocoa once they'd arrived at a resting spot. The door opened and a middle-aged woman motioned them in. Inside was just the couch, and a television which was not turned on, and he sat as was motioned to do so, and they left. He fiddled with the couch and sat for a bit, then decided to lay down and wait for something else to happen. His eyes closed. Closure, he thought to himself, as in close again, and now on a couch. He'd just left his bed, and how? Odd he couldn't remember. What about the night before? Still nothing. Though he recognized his own pajamas. They were a gift, for he'd never consider wearing clothes to bed until people started buying them at holidays. Birthday. His mind sprang a bit. Yeah, he remembered that. Well the word anyway, but forgot the date. Hum. He hummed to himself. The couch was comfortable still, and still, and as he was, was noticing the something nothing around him was as familiar as his memory of forgetfulness. He was kind of enjoying the non-enjoying and hoped it would last.